My guest today is Senior Team Leader and Manager of Inside Sales at MathWorks. Here's how one of his colleagues sums him up. He's one of those rare managers who also naturally serves as an inspiring mentor for the whole team. With a background in psychology and years worth of experience as an educator, Giacomo exhibits strong interpersonal skills in a unique capacity for empathy. These qualities most notably translate into his ability to motivate a team to care about his project and be invested in the project's success. Giacomo's positive attitude and the respect others feel towards him are palpable. Giacomo Gigliarelli, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, you make me blush with all these uh, nice words about myself. Thanks a lot. The interesting thing was that was just one, and there was any number I could have picked for, for but we'd have been here all morning, so... Uh, Kudos to that, that, who, that colleague of yours who wrote that made my life a lot easier because it was written so well. I didn't <laughs> have to, uh, you know, normally I'll pull of three or four together. That was just perfect. So uh, kudos. I think it was a her. Um, tell me a little bit about your story, Giacomo, where you grew up. Um, yeah, g give, me, give me some sense of your background. Well, I, I'm Italian. Uh, I grew up since uh, university time uh, in a very small village in the, in the middle of Italy. Uh, it's exactly half the way through the, through the boot. Uh, I studied uh, accounting. Uh, I, was, I was not a very um, attend person in school at the beginning. Then I figured out at university how fun it is to study and get knowledge. But at the beginning, the, the normal school wasn't, wasn't really my, my passion. I was more interested into colors and, and stuff. Uh, then I went to the university in uh, Perugia, the, the nearest university here in, uh, in Italy. And I studied marketing and communication. I got really passionate about communication. Uh, I got really passionate about uh, international relationship because my, my university was about uh, that international communication is called. And uh, from there, I got a fantastic chance to grow even more uh, when I started cooperating and when working with one of my dearest friends. And I had the chance to move to U.S., uh, experience the, the, the life in U.S., travel around. Uh, and that's where I, I kicked off in my career in communication and, uh, and sales from there. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you, by the way, before you go on, you mentioned in school you were interested in colors. Yeah, that's Is the that funny part of that. Uh, that in, uh, when, I, when, I, go in, when I, I was very interested in art and, uh, you know, everything that was fashion and, and, and all this kind versus the numbers, uh, yeah. the, 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 the color of communication, as I call it. And then at university, when, we, when, when I was at university, when we did our first marketing project, the big one, I discovered that I was mismatching all the colors. Uh, and I figured that I was colorblind, slightly colorblind. So I, I had a, a moment where I said, well, this is my passion, but I can't do it because of my physical in, impairment, as say. So I decided, what is the nearest thing to communication and, and uh, my way of communicating with people uh, that I can do in, in life? Uh, and was marketing and sales. Uh, and I decided to do sales because the tremendous impact that you have with people and on people when you're 
in a sales conversation, when you are in a conversation in general. You know, marketing for me has always been more about planning. Uh, sales has always been more about interacting. Mm. So that's how I said Yeah, I would never have connected the two, but I can see it where you talk about the colors and the art. It really is a form of communication, so it's not... It is. It's not a huge leap then to say marketing and communications is really an extension of that interest that you had. Um, so talk to me then about the sales, how you ended up in sales when you had studied marketing. What was the, what, what caused you to go there rather than a career in marketing? Well, when I was studying marketing, I at the same time developed this uh, passion for, um, for psychology. Uh, and I started looking into uh, NLP and all those techniques, communication techniques and stuff like that. And I figured that uh, I could have a much greater impact on people by talking to them than developing a plan for something else. Uh, now, it, it sounds strange because when you're in sales, you have to plan for the communication and the engagement that you have. Uh, but I find it more do it. And I'm, I'm more of a do it person than a, uh, than a thinker. Uh, I like the action. I like the, the, the passion, the thrill of experiencing the feeling of, of communicating with people. So I tried. I tried both. I tried to be in marketing because when I, my first experience was in Diageo, uh, I, did, uh, I did marketing with them. Uh, field marketing and, and, and category marketing. And then I experienced also the, the, the thrill of sales with them because I, I was the, the account manager for a specific area in, in the north region of Italy. And I there instantaneously found this passion for, I need to be in front of people. Uh, whether it's on the phone, whether it's on, I, I love to be talking to people because there is something that is more than... Uh, defining is the execution that makes it that makes the real impact mm. and that's that's you, what brought me to sales you remind me when you're talking about your role in diageo i don't know if you're did you go out on the road much presenting yeah. to right um i remember once i was uh, traveling to helsinki and i was taking their you know, the, in Helsinki, I don't know if you've been on it. There's a like a there's a yellow cab system. It's like a minibus. Yeah. So it's not dedicated to you. What they'll do is they'll take maybe five or six passengers and drop them off at different places throughout the city. It's just cheaper than a regular taxi. And we got this taxi once, and it was again middle of winter, lots of snow on the ground, and we went down to drop off one of the passengers. We went down this this hill and and. Because there was the snow on the ground and maybe the guy hadn't changed his tires to the snow tires, couldn't get back up. The wheels were spinning. So we all got out to try and push it. And one of them was a rep for Diageo. Now, he was with one of the distilleries uh, under the Diageo brand. But uh, what I remember very fondly about it was that over that hour we spent trying to push the thing, or it felt like an hour, he had these little bottles of whiskey, which he had as samples for his customers <laughs> and he had us all around the van just chatting and and, and drinking and um it, it turned in what could have been a real pain in the ass turned into 
quite a lot of fun. But the interesting thing I remember most about that in terms of serendipity, uh, of which I'd maybe like to talk to you a little bit about, forgive the, uh, <laughs> it no keeps problem. falling out, I'd talk to you about is that he had, I don't know if you remember back in, oh, it was mid-90s, there was the Estonia, which was a ship, uh, ferry, which sank going between Estonia and Tallinn, I believe, or Tallinn mm -hmm. to, I think. And it was, you know, it was, it was really, I, I was living in uh, Helsinki at the time, but he had been due to be on that, uh, working to, wow. you know, because that, you know, they'd sell a lot of uh, mm -hmm. drink on, on those ships. Oh, yeah. And okay. there was a section and, of the edge that took care of that. Yes. And he couldn't make it for, I can't remember the exact reason, but he missed the sailing and hence he, he, uh, he lived. And, and it always struck me as one of those things that in life that we have all of these sliding doors, these moments that if you go down one path, something happens. And I'm curious to know about your life. Have you ever experienced that where you made a split decision, something happened, and as a result of that, you ended up living a very different type of life than if you had taken a, a different turn early on? Oh, I can, I can definitely recall one, uh, and, and it's a decision I made for my life because of the way I, I like to live. Uh, my very first uh, multinational company work experience was with JP Morgan. Mm. Uh, I was selected as part of a group of highly talented, uh, just out of university type of things, uh, right out, out of my master in France. And when I, when I joined JP Morgan, I was very enthusiastic, this massive company, this, you know, one of the companies that is shaping the world and, and things. But I always felt within myself that money wasn't the drive for me. Uh, finance wasn't the drive for me. So I, I enjoyed the experience, but then I took the decision that for whatever things that I would do in my life, I would do it for increasing the, the, the well-being of others. Uh, and that what finance at the time didn't really uh, sounds like something that would do that for, for my, my personal beliefs. Mm. Mm. And the decision I took, I took it you know, very, very quickly. Like if I, if I want to do something, I need to do something that create fun, create wellness, create uh, energy and, and, uh, and innovation for, for other people, uh, not just flow of, of something. And I, I decided to, to, to leave JP Morgan and I, and I joined Diageo in that, at that point because it was for me more of around, again, creating that well-being, uh, creating that experience of life uh, that, that Johnny Walker keeps walking always was one of my things. Like keep walking, keep doing the right thing that I then found in MathWorks, the company I'm actually working at the moment, mm -hmm. this attitude of evolving creating better things day after day and and it's it's it was was my passion and still my passion how much of that attraction was driven by some connection with the brand of diageo and what that represented for you versus your experience maybe of some of the people that you met in those early days i actually 
didn't know about Diageo at all. I, I knew a couple of brands, uh, but I didn't know that, that the company at all. Uh, I got very a very big fan of them when I started reading the journey of the creation of Diageo because Diageo is a conglomerate of different companies that join, to, join together, get bought, bought out and stuff like that. And uh, when, I, when I read the, the incredible growth that they were having, the impact and the, the, the fantastic ethical approach to, you know, alcohol is something that can be very dangerous in a way. Uh, but their approach to responsible drinking, their approach to a fun, but enjoy and taste the fun more than just go and destroy yourself, you know, uh, create something out of a moment uh enjoying what you have that was really the the thing that made me join the company uh, very responsible very focused on building nice things which again uh, for, i find a lot of that in 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 the company I'm, i am at the moment yeah i want to talk to you about that in a moment uh, just for people who <coughs> might be and, and also might not be familiar with diageo i guess one of their biggest brands would be guinness or yeah. jameson whiskey and, and there's many many more that you might know of but uh I think certainly, uh, to me, it's synonymous with Guinness, the, yeah. the, the brand. And I, I, I'm, I'm interested in, in maybe where that comes from in you, in that, that J.P. Morgan would have been, a, again, another strong brand that there, there are some people who would die for. I'm, I'm exaggerating, obviously. Yeah, no, but, I know. But, but it would be their, their dream to work in a place like that and that have their entire career mapped out, but they'd also have to sacrifice a lot. Yeah. And I'm wondering, was it, was it the, the sacrifice of that lifestyle was, how much did that play in your decision versus the, the brand association identity, the, the innovation that, you know, Diage is a very different type of brand and a very different type of lifestyle when you work there. And I just wondered, which was it? What were you were you moving away from that hard nose perception, hard nose work all the hours that you can you muster, uh, compete, elbow others out, trying to get to partner, versus a that more laid back, very professional, but but a different type of lifestyle. So, um, I would I wouldn't take. Uh working hours out of neither of of Diageo or um, or JP Morgan because they're both very competitive they they were both very do your best kind of uh, approach and i think every business especially in sales is is that i mean there's no not such a thing as 9 to 5 when when you want to succeed in something that you really strive for uh studying is is another thing you can decide to do it from nine to five or you can decide to do it as a lifelong journey you know there i don't i'm not a believer of nine to five i'm a believer of do it do do it and do it do your best uh so that was not something that really uh <clears throat> was driving my decision what drove my decision was and i and i really and I try to tell this to everybody I'm, I'm facing and I'm, I'm talking to, match your beliefs and your values to the value of the company you are working with. Uh, because 
unless you want to stay where you are forever and ever and ever and never grow and never develop and uh, probably you will end up working in a something that is for you but if you really want to be something better every day you need to spend hours in doing what you do and mm. those hours are hours taken out of your life that you will never get them back so the moment you make a decision be sure that is relevant for your values and your and yourself because the that's what drives your passion and what that's what drives your success mm. I don't remember who said I never work an hour because I always loved it. But there, there yeah. was this. Yeah, I think, <coughs> I, think I, 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 I know the phrase is like, yeah, but I do also think that's a bit Pollyannish in that <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I understand that you're going to have a passion for your job, but every, every job has grunt work, the stuff that we don't Absolutely. want to do. Yeah. And people we don't want to necessarily have to work with, but we do. And so I, I, I think it's a, it's, it's more marketing than it is, than it is uh, actual life. But, uh, but I get it. I get it. I, I certainly think that life's too short to spend time working at something that you have no connection with, right? Exactly. It, which is a different exactly. thing to saying, I could be happy all the time or I'm enjoying every moment. No, which you're not. definitely not. Yeah, definitely But it not. can give you a sense of fulfillment. And, and you brought up something else there about the, the, the working hours. And, and I wanted to get your take on something because I saw this. I, I, now, I won't mention the company, A, because I can't remember exactly, but I know it was a, one of the <coughs> social, social media companies. And sometime last year, they, were, they gave their employees an, a week off. Take, take it off, do what you want. And this was met with great fanfare online. And I remember thinking that that's great. And I'm sure it's appreciated. But the people in that company who are ambitious won't be taking that week off. They'll, they'll be working. They'll use that time to get an edge. And I remember pointing this out gently, as diplomatically as I could. And the thesis was rejected. It was like, no, no, no. Times are different now, Paul. You don't understand. Maybe back in your day, it was like that. But now... You know, people only want to work four days a week. They only want to work till five o'clock. My thoughts were, man, you're naive because I know people who are, you know, they might, they might leave the office at five o'clock, but they're working later on. They're, they're trying to get ahead. I'm just curious to know what your, your experience of that is for people who are ambitious. Do different rules apply when it comes to the relationship with work? Well, I, I think there, there are two parts of, of, of this uh, equation. One is the tasks. Okay, so you can do the tasks in four hours. If mm. you can do the task in, <clears throat> apologies, is <clears throat> if you are very effective and organized and you can do the task in a set amount of hours, that's fine. I mean, mm. I'm, not, I'm not thinking at development in terms of hours. Okay. <clears throat> what I think that doesn't have a time bound is the concept of self-development. When you work, you apply something. So you can be good at doing things in a certain amount of time. And I'm a th the type of person that will never say, oh, you have worked seven hours and a half or eight hours and a half or 11. 
it is the result that count, how many things you've done and how good you've done it. When you step onto the, the part of working for development, I don't think that a person that is working for self-development stop at five because you inevitably go, go back home and start reading a book that you like. And that book adds on to what you do the day after. Uh, you read an article of, uh, on, on LinkedIn at midnight, that adds up to what you do on, uh, the, the day after. So there is a twofold of, of, of this thing. Do it and do it in, in a certain time of hours. If you want to take more holidays because you, you've done it, fine for you. Uh, but the development, you can stop it at five. Because if you're stopping at five, you're pre preventing yourself from being a better version of yourself two minutes down the road. And that's my, my perception. I mean, mm. the, <laughs> as you said that, I was reminded of a few years ago, I read this story about a software developer who was working. I'm going to say it was a bank. It was some big institution. And, and wherever he lived, he was being paid really, really well. So what he did was he outsourced the development to somebody in a lower cost economy where he was paying them 20% of what he was earning to do the same thing. And he used the 80% and he traveled the world and he did that for two or three years without being caught because whoever he was partnering with was doing a great job. And I just thought that, 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 that is, if you, <laughs> that's the ultimate, that's, you have to ha take your hat off to somebody like that and go, well, yeah. I, sal I salute you. <laughs> That's, sure. the, that's a very good approach to entrepreneurship, yeah. you know. It is because it, it deals with the tasks, as yeah. you said, and I, and I love your insight and, and way you split the two, and you're 100%, I couldn't agree more, is that uh, he, he managed to get the tasks done, and then with that spare time, he was living his best life, which is, if, you, if we could all get that done, it would be wonderful. I, I'd happily give up 20%, no question. Um, Tell me, in what you're doing currently, what's, what's giving you the greatest sense of accomplishment? Uh, wow, that's a very good question. There are many things that we do, uh, you know, from the, the creation of, of the, the, the new office and from the creation of the development of the team and everything. It's, uh, I, I wouldn't know where to start and, and pick things out, but, you know, definitely uh, MathWorks is a company that is devoted to uh, improving the status quo of things. Uh, you know, we work for uh, developing the way the company does the job they do. Uh, mm -hmm. Our mission and values are all about mm, creating a better environment, creating better solutions, uh, so that's probably if I could ask you on that one I'll tell you why yeah. because when I heard the, the term the, the name MathWorks first I had in mind that it was some sort of educational software mm -hmm. well it's so, used in university as well yeah maybe you could just share with this very uh, your, your, your elevator pitch on who benefits and how they use it well, uh, MathWorks is a software that is, is used for accelerating the pace of engineering and science. Uh, so every engineer and scientist that 
can use us or get access to MATLAB and all the platform uh, get benefited by the enormous uh, increase in, in efficiency and effectiveness that, that we can provide to our uh, customers. Uh, is used in university and is used in uh, in commercial environment as well, and and it's a language used for a multitude of uh, of activities. So, let let me ask you this way: What problem would I have that it would make sense to me, MathBook? <clears throat> what problem would you have? Uh, yeah. Time to develop uh, your algorithm. Um, uh, increasing the, the, the efficiency of your algorithm, uh, modeling and simulating a, a plant, um, creating an environment where, of simulation where you can reiterate and add different functionalities and different uh, aspects uh, that you know you want to uh, try. Yeah. Interesting. That that so would it, be it, some. It's it's it's. I'm definitely not going to buy it then on the high street. It's not going to be something I'm going to walk into a bowling pawn shop and buy. It sounds like it's really uh, for. It's a very specialist. Well, it's. Uh, I I wouldn't say it's really specialist because we we can broad our uh, our scope and our and our customer. Uh, we oh. go from finance to medical to uh, industry automation and machineries to many uh, many others. Uh, what is what I can tell is that it's a very uh, customized solution for our customers. So mm. when we engage with a, with a conversation, in a sales conversation with our customer, it's, it's very uh, insightful. We, we need to understand and, and understand the right solution for, uh, for them mm. uh, so we can customize that. Okay. Yeah. Tell, tell me, uh, past or present, Gokmo, who, who inspires you? Past and present, who inspire me? Uh, I would say that I get I get inspired by many of the interaction I get every day uh, with the people I work with. Uh, it sounds it sounds a bit of uh, naive, but I learned from from the interactions uh, with people I work with. I try to find things that people do different than I do, and kind of build on myself and how other people do that. Uh, there is, I don't think there is, there is a, a very, uh, well, no, actually, let me, let me flip it. There are two people that uh, really influenced me. One was my, one of my mentors in the past uh, that kind of drove my attention onto what we said before. If you want to develop yourself, you need to it needs to be a full-time job, so you need to de devote your life into development in general. And the second is uh, a person that more recently uh, made me understand that the easiness of doing things. Uh, I had a conversation once with, with a person uh, that I was trying to do something uh, I was trying to, to start exercising a bit more. And I said, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to start running. I want to do. And he very blandly told me, well, if you want to start running, just lease up and run. That's, it, so it sounds really mm, you know, uh, basic. But if mm. you reflect on the easiness of 
and the complexity of our decision-making processes. So you, if you want to do something, really, just do it. Yeah, no, I get so that. And I, I don't overthink. Yeah. Sometimes we, we tend to create monsters in our head. I'm, a too, I'm not good. I'm too good. I'm this, I'm that. Just try yeah. it. You know, life is easy sometimes if we don't, if we stop overthinking of what we want to do and what we should be doing or what we should not be yeah. doing, what people think, will I be good at running? Will I be good at do? Give yourself a try. You know, that, that's something that really steer a little bit my, my attentions and my, and my actions in, in many cases. Mm. Was there anything in your earlier life that you could look back on and see something there that people from the outside would go, oh yeah, that's why he's now doing what he's doing? Was there something like that would have pointed out that you were always going to end up either managing people, coaching people, I know you have a passion for that, um, or, or in sales? You mean people that knows me from uh, yeah. years back? Yeah. Uh, well, probably yes, because if I, if I look back at myself and the interaction I had with my, with, you know, with the, the circle of friends, my circle of friends, uh, I was doing public relation in, 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 uh, in clubs when I was younger. Uh, I was, you know, doing all sort of activities. I, I picked up working in uh, multi-level uh, companies when I was 16 because I, I loved the thrill of, you know, being engaged in all those super yeah, exciting uh, sort of settings. Uh, so I think if I, if I ask my friends, would you see me anywhere else than sales or marketing or communication, they would say no. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, I have one of my good friends from the past always used to tell me, I don't know how you do it, but we end up in, you put me always in situation where I have a lot of fun. He was really shy person, so I was I was doing PR in a, in, in a few clubs, and he was always saying that to me. He was like, "Tell him how you do that." It's like I don't know. It's my job. It's like I have fun doing that, so it's not something I I you know mathematically plan for it. Excuse me. Um, <laughs> I'm wondering then that when your time comes to retire what sort of activity you'd like to take up. You no longer need to work, you're financially independent. What would you like to do with yourself? Um, I have a young daughter. Uh, it's, she's turning six in September. And when it's time for me to, for retirement, it's, it will be time for her to uh, kick off on her careers and, and do whatever she likes. I. I dream of being her support, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, being there for her. Uh, mm -hmm. So that probably uh, spending time with her and and, and, and my family and. Uh, um, I want to ask you about what motivates you, in both in terms of what you're doing currently, and what 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 lights a fire for you. Uh, that that get you really energized and passionate. What motivates me? Um, 
one thing I discovered in my journey to coaching um, last uh, two years ago, I did a, my certification as a professional coach with Coactive CTI. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and one thing I discovered in that path is that my, one of my biggest passion is learning and support people. Uh, mm-hmm. so one thing that I really love is to, and, and when I say love, love with all, all my body and soul is to understand things and to see mm-hmm. things from different perspective. Uh, one thing that we do in, uh, in MathWorks is when, when we engage in projects or in, in, in conversation is, is called Nima Washi and it's the, this process of sharing insights and getting feedback from other people and, and, mm. and it's sort of very, it, it may look l- a lengthy process but it's very effective because you start seeing things in a, from different perspectives and you learn from this interaction a lot. So that's one thing that motivates me. Every day, I think I need to finish my day knowing something more than, than when I start the day. That's, that's one thing that really drives me. Okay. And if I look at, if I go back to what I said at the beginning, you have to match your passions with your, with your job and your activities. And if I look at MathWorks, MathWorks develops tons of new solutions and tons of new uh, upgrades on our softwares and our apps every year on something around a thousand per year, 1200 per year or something like that. And it's uh, amazing to see how quickly and how effective our developers are creating new solutions. And it's, it's almost impossible for us as, as known engineers to be uh, at that level of knowledge, but it's, it's the, the thing that the fact that you know every day something new, every day you, you discover something, that's one thing that drives my passion for this company and for, for my job. Uh, the other part of your question was, tell me again. What well, mo- motivates you and lights a fire for you? I, I think okay. they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the other one is, is supporting people, as I was saying. Mm. Um, I had a, when I was growing up, my dad was working in, uh, between Russia and, uh, and other countries because we were s- selling uh, fireplaces and, uh, and furniture to the, to the East Russia. So I'm from 78. He was there in the early 90s, right after the, uh, the collapse of the Berlin Wall and, and all that development that was happening. So I, I found hard to have him close to me and learn from my from my father uh, the business and the development of you know the relationship but i always had this feeling when i was talking to people that were working with him they were always telling me like well your dad is is a wealth of knowledge your dad your dad is these your dad is that and late later in my career and my development i got closer to him and and discovered the the beautiful person that the other people were telling me it was and that drove me toward, you know, there are many people nowadays where parents are working remotely, as I do, uh, people that are working remotely themselves. Okay, so mm-hmm. one of the things that drove my passion for coaching and for supporting other people was exactly this one. I, 
Like there are people out there that wants to be uh, doing something different, doing something better, but maybe they don't have the reference to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm no one to be, you know, uh, their mentor or anything, but listening to them and, and helping them phrase their stories in their mind in a different way can really make the difference for them. Because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, most of what we do is the result of the stories that we tell ourselves. Mm. I'm, I'm curious to know, you mentioned there that you have this insatiable appetite for learning and for knowledge. And from your childhood, you said <coughs> that you had this memory of people talking to you about your father saying that he was a very knowledgeable person and he knew a lot and he'd obviously seen things through his travels that made him a really interesting person. I'm wondering how much of your insatiable appetite for knowledge is in, is in it some sort of even subconscious, maybe conscious attempt to be closer to him in some respects or to be more like him? Mm, prob- well, probably as a reference. No, I, mm-hmm. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say no because, you know, you always look up to the, the people that you respect and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and you want to... Uh, if, if you think that, the, you know, we buy Gucci and, 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 and all our tools because someone else has it, it's, it's an inevitable uh, way of, of living that we have. Uh, but also, I think there is that, I would say that was a trampoline for me. You know, uh, Having having this strong figure in my in my existence that knew knew a lot and had developed himself in a in a certain way and was respected and people look at him as a as a reference was definitely a, a trampoline for deciding probably where to go and what to do. Also, I grew up in in his office and uh, in in the business, so was inevitable for me. That was another aspect that I was going to tell you before when you said people would tell anything different than you. But, you know, when you, when you grew up in, in a certain environment, either you become completely the opposite because you disliked it or you become mm. a better version or a different version of what you, you grew up in. That's interesting because what I'm thinking now is, is it like that when you create... I guess there's two parts to this question. One is when you create a work environment, people either dislike it and want to move away from it or they want to spend more time with it and learn from it and develop from it and become more like it or at least take on board the positive aspects and traits and characteristics of the culture of that organization. And so I'm guessing you'd agree with that. Um, The... Second part of the question is, now that we're all working remotely uh, to a large extent still, how difficult is that to achieve? Clarify what to achieve? Uh, To achieve that culture uh, to be able to infuse others with the traits of an organization. So you're you're taking positive uh, workplace traits, characteristics, you're creating a personality for the workplace. What are the values, boils down to, of how we do things, how we serve customers, how we treat each other? And 
it, when, when that's a positive experience for people, they want to spend more time in it, and, and they also absorb those. Like, if you're working in a nasty environment, then that can often bring out a nastiness in us. We, we all have a shadow side. Yeah. But if we work in a very positive, caring, supportive environment, that tends to bring that out in us. And, and I guess my real question with that is, how difficult is that to achieve when you're working largely remotely uh, with, with colleagues? <clears throat> okay, so I would say uh, I don't have an answer for that because it's, it's all new for everybody. Mm. Uh, what I can definitely point our attention to and I, and I would love to is to develop in a sense, in developing the way that we are able to do, uh, to bring up the values and and and, and nurture the value of, of ourselves and the companies and the organizations we work with in any, with any medium. Now, we need to be close to each other. You know, with, it's inevitable. We can't live uh, remotely 365 days. We, we cannot, uh, we cannot experience a, people relationships through a screen uh, that's that's for sure uh, but in this new normal as, as we call it we need to be good enough to develop new systems for not losing what we what we are and the values we believe in even in an online setting so if we start as we did for instance in MathWorks, we start implementing our hybrid model we need to develop and we need to grow uh, in uh, identifying the solutions and the, the way to interact with each other that is effective in both scenarios, when we are in the office and we're not in the office. Because that will, that's what inevitably will going to be in the, in the years coming. Uh, you know, people are now more effective on, uh, on screens as we are. Uh, people are now more used to it. Uh, the, the fact that we are not next to each other should not be a limit for the development of people. So mm. our duty, I think, as leader, as organizations and, uh, and as people, not just because we are leader or because we are organization, but as people, is to leverage what we have to make it as effective or as possible close to the effectiveness of a real world. So I think... It will be inevitable to develop more and more into being more uh, remote or more disconnected, let's say. Mm. Yeah, well, what I'm thinking of is you're saying that I, I wish I could remember who said it. It was somebody who was asked about, I think it was about uh, democracy in France. Mm -hmm. um, and the quote was, you know, it ha has it worked? This is back... <laughs> Yeah, and the, the quote was something like, it's too early to say. This is like a hundred years after the founding of the Republic. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think there's an element of that as well in what you're saying, that it's, it's just too early to say. It's unknown. Uh, that, that we're trying different things to see, first of all, what gets us to tomorrow and keeps everything cohesive and moving forward. But then also we have to have a, an eye to culture and maybe that involves, I don't know, I, I would imagine um, from most people I speak to is that there's an element of that we have to spend some time in the office. But that's going to be difficult again because my time might be Monday and your time might be Tuesday and somebody else's might be a Wednesday and 
that's not how office culture uh, develops. That said, then, there's also some negative aspects, obviously, to office culture in any organisation, and that doesn't get a hold then either. So I guess time will tell. That's all we can say at this stage with, with this experiment, this uh, experiment that was imposed upon us. Um, on our side, I can, say, I can tell you that, uh, you know, uh, we are experiencing, we have experienced a fantastic office culture, uh, mm. you know, being being within within the environment of of mathworks is is just amazing how supportive we've been with each other mm. and uh before COVID, we created a, a great environment and we we work to maintain that in uh, during COVID and during the pandemic and i have to say that the results have proven that we have been great team and a great office remotely or not and the the hybrid model is it's a way to make the two things together. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. I'm I'm sure we will we'll will, will find the best way to do it uh, because this is not probably the uh, the last step. No, for, for sure, for no, for sure. no company. Uh, look, I know I worked in Motorola back in between '95 and 2000, and I was working for a UK office, but I was based here, and I was based out of the off the Motorola facility in Dublin. One of the last there. best phone ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and and that was I, I, I loved absolutely loved. So I had a little office in my in my house, just a little room that I was working remotely from. And I loved I could take two, sometimes three days a week there to work. But I loved also going in just to meet oh, yeah. people and I would spend much of that time when I went in just catching up with people and not getting a lot of work done, but I think the people side of things is important too. But the, the only difference is, is that I was the one who had the hybrid working environment. Everybody else was in a static, steady place, which allowed me to go in and leverage that. But what we've got now is where everybody is, it was in my situation. And, and that's the unknown, I guess, how that will work. Um, tell me, curious, because, um, just to get your own take on this, what's been good for you from the pandemic? What positives have you taken from it that you're 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 glad we have now that we wouldn't have had had it not happened? Strictly work-related, uh, the pandemic held me focus even more onto people. Uh, reason being is everybody, as, as we experience, everybody has his own different situation. Mm. Uh, we sometimes come, come with the preconception that I am in this situation, so you are in, this, in the same, same situation as me, so I'll treat you as I would treat myself. Mm. Completely, absolutely, no, no, no the reality. Uh, we came to, I came to realize that people have so many more needs and, and points of views and differences and kids bumping at their doors and phone ringings and things that made their, make their lives way more than I thought that they could. Um, th that was a, that was a, at the very beginning of the pandemic and I opened it for me. Mm. 
and I and I come from again from a training where I've been trained to listen to people and and behavior and look at dif- and at listening in three different positions. So I really had to apply all that and 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 come to the the, the conclusion that my assumptions are only mine, mm. and they're only true when I look in the mirror. Period. Everything else is a different word. Uh, on a very personal uh, aspect, though, uh, the pandemic allowed me to be more at home. Uh, so be with my family, with my daughter. Uh, I'm, all, I'm, I'm also having a very kind of very complicated uh, ex-relationship. Uh, so I'm in the middle of something personal that I need to solve. So that allowed me to be more present with my own universe as well and there as well i realized that there are things that sometimes we overlook at uh we take things for granted and we shouldn't uh, we should really value every moment and every aspect of our lives and uh, and uh, be upfront with that talk about it uh you know you i'm working with my managers and and they're all very receptive of my situation and i cascade them onto my people I hope they will agree with that. Uh, you know, my team is, it's, it's, I try to be the reflection of, of what I get. I transmit it to that. So mm. my, first lear- my first learning point was listening during the pandemic. Mm. Uh, this pandemic really taught me that listening uh, is, is, is way more critical than we believe. It's not the duration that we, we, we read on books two to one. It's five to one. Mm. You mentioned th- listening from three places. What's that? Yeah. Uh, well, is it, it's a theory, it's a, a technique that, you know, there are three different levels of, le- of listening. There is a, a first level of, lis- of listening that is very superficial. Uh, the second level of, le- of listening that is more into understanding the movements of the person, the, the positions, the, the, the non, non-verbal communication. And the third position of learning is kind of when <clears throat> in coaching is, is called close your eyes and feel it. Uh, it's like, you know, what you feel and perceive from the other person more than seeing, observing and, and hearing what, mm. what they say. Is that then hearing, seeing, sensing? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I hadn't heard it expressed that way before, the three, okay. So it's, it's, and then you could maybe the umbrella term would be observing, but observing yeah. for intent, understanding, etc., rather exactly. than just hearing the words. Yeah, you, you, can, you can flip it on sales and, and you can coach me on that, but you can flip it on sales and, and you know, the first level of pain, the understanding what the customer wants, the first level of pain, mm-hmm. motivation, and then this, this, the, the decision factors, basically. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's, if it was, we would spend so much time in sales, or at least people will come to me and people in my business and say, want the reps to ask more questions. And I, I'm always thinking, yeah, that's fine. And, and there's a skill in that. But if they haven't mastered the listening bit first, they yeah. don't know the questions to ask. Because questions come from what you observe. Exactly. And I think the mistake they make is, give me a list of questions I can ask. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's it's crazy. 
you know, it's, it's crazy. It's one of the reasons people have, often ask me when I do these podcasts, send me over your questions. I go, I don't have any. We're going to have a conversation. And the fact that I don't have any questions helps me pay attention. Because if I don't, then I don't know what we're going to talk about. So if you, I always say the same. If, if you think of what you need to ask, you, you, you won't be listening. 100%. You know, I'm, I'm now on this book called um, uh, Confidential. Mm. It's written by this uh, American guy. It's about elicitation. It's all about elicitation and all the elicitation technique, the 12 main elicitation techniques and how you drive a conversation uh, with these techniques to get information from the, from the person. Mm. And there are many things that sounds counterintuitive, like saying something wrong to your customer, knowing that he's wrong, just for the sake of him correcting you. Yeah. And by correcting you, he will tell you what's their position, their view on, uh, on their perspective of, of, of their mm. process. And there mm. you start collecting information. Mm. That's re it's really, it's really fun. That's interesting you should say that for people listening to this who have, have trained with me or, or somewhere else, I want them to connect the dots between what you've just said and some of the things we talk about, for example, an example of that in the sales context, and again, this is not this is for people who might be listening to this, is you might say to somebody, uh, I'm guessing this is not a priority for you. Yeah, exactly. When you know that it is, and you want them to go, oh, no, no, it is. Oh, why is that? And, and then that conversation takes place. And, and so that's a really interesting way of, I'm going to steal that if you don't mind. <laughs> oh, go ahead. A way of explaining what's happening here. It's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was the name of that book, by the way? Did you? Did you it's did called you Confidential. Uh, I yeah. had it here. Yeah. Uh, is, it, it, can yeah. I ask, is, is it an ex-FBI person? There? Exactly. <laughs> a lot of these. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. Shocking surprise. <laughs> they all seem to be <laughs> ex-FBI people who write these books on uh, It techniques. is actually. And um, he then created this company that, that does uh, um, collecting information for, uh, mm. for company counter counter espionage or things like that mm. and uh, it's really really fun to, yeah. to start with yeah in fairness i laugh but i'm not trying to mock because these people yeah. are highly trained and if you've been in that world you're the, just the practice alone means you're certainly more skilled than 99.9 percent .9 of the population oh, yeah. and we can learn a ton from it i just yeah. uh, i just don't know what there's something happening in the fbi that everybody who leaves goes and writes a book about techniques, whether it's negotiation or, or listening or questioning and, and uh, influence and so on. Um, I think, interesting enough, people want to know about other people. Mm. But then when, you, when we get in conversation, we want to tell about ourselves. Say that again. That's really profound. I think so that's really, really people, profound. I, I think that people want to know about other people yeah. or want to know how to know about other people for curiosity. And then I yeah. think it's the, the base of Facebook, what kicked off Facebook at mm. the beginning. But then when we found ourselves, especially in sales environment, mm. in, a in a sales conversation, we want to tell other people how good and beautiful we are. Mm. Now, I want to ask you about this. Do you think that comes from the fact that we want to know about other people's stories, so therefore we assume that they want to know ours. That could be exactly. one reason. I think Excuse so. Me. 
think I think so. again. Yeah. Uh, so that's one. Um, or it could be also that we don't have the skill set to help them tell their story. Uh, we, we, we were awkward in those situations and that the conversation is too superficial. So we, we then bring in ours or is oh, it something I, else entirely? I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have an answer to that, but I think a lot mm. comes from the first point that you said. So we, we engage in a conversation and now that we are there, I think yeah, you want to know my story. I know I, I want to know your story. So we start bouncing this, this ball, uh, and we sometimes pre prevent ourselves from going down instead of jumping from, I, I say, I call it the, the Super Mario game. Like you jump on top of mushrooms instead of going down and, and understand what's be below the, the umbrella of the mushroom. Mm. Yeah, and that's interesting. So if we stick with that then and say is that we, we assume that other people want to know our stories, and I think they do. But I yeah. think the first part of the story that they want to know about us is that we care about them. Yeah. And that comes from letting them hear, talk about themselves first and hearing their exactly. story first. And, and, and that's probably the first part of the journey in us telling, us, telling them our story, which is, uh, I care about you. And then they want to listen. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting one. Uh, I, I'm, oh, I'm just looking at the clock. That time flew. We are up on time, I'm afraid. I want to thank you oh, so much really for joining us. Um, I have a couple of quick questions I always ask people before I let them go. So if, if you've got uh -huh. two minutes, I'd like to ask you those. Uh, one is the, the, the burning house question, that your house is burning down, but your family are safe, your, your daughter's safe, you, you, any pets, they're safe, your phone and your computer, safe, right? But you have time to run back into the house and grab one thing. What would it be and why? My motorbike. Your motorbike? Fantastic. What kind of motorbike do you have? Uh, uh, Tenere, a Yamaha, uh, off-road bike. Okay. And are you an off-roader with the bike? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah nice. Um, yeah. Well, actually, <laughs> now, now I think I would grab my, uh, my, my, my fiancé's father uh, just passed away the, this year and he left us okay. two beautiful... A uh, very old Italian car to Lancia, oh, wow. and if that would happen now, I think I'll run back and and yeah. bring bring them out. <laughs> yeah, then the motorbike. All right, good, got it. And um, the the last question for you, Guacmo, is how would you like, when you when your time on this planet is done? How would you like to be remembered? As a good father, as a good person in terms of being a, a, a friend and a, and a colleague for many reasons, not just, not just work-wise, but a colleague in life, partner in life, uh, there's this little phrase that one very old woman once told me, whenever you step out of a room, leave this a good smell of yourself there. Okay. And and that's sticked on my in my hat mm. since then. Mm. Mm. Uh, I think whenever you leave, uh, whatever whether it's a meeting and a room and a club or whatever it is, you need to have made an impact that is positive.
that's a perfect place at least to at least try for it you you know yep. you may or may not but at least yeah. your your intention has always to be positive and and to that point yeah and we forget about that because if we you, you always know if you go into a room where people have been fighting, people have been arguing, you can sense it in the atmosphere, you can, there's an energy, there's a negative energy to it, and, and the converse is so true as well, and we don't think enough about that. Thank you so much for being my guest today. You're very welcome, Paul. Thanks very much.